This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 167. We're going to start from joy. Of the in-between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina Im. I love that because we're literally going to start with joy. That's right. Because that's the name of Neil and Carly Samudre's new book. That's right. It is called Start From Joy, Trade Shame, Guilt, and Fear for Lasting Change, a Lighter Spirit, and a More Fulfilling Life. Doesn't that sound like something we all need right now? Man, we had so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need joy, and we had so much joy and fun as we were talking to them about joy. And uh, how do you, like, what about the, those those nasty little things called fear, guilt, and shame? That so nasty often, little? Okay, nasty big things <laughs> yeah, yeah. that <laughs> dictate so much of our lives. Yeah, oh, right? Completely. Yeah, so how do we start with joy and start from joy instead of those things to see change in our life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to hear up really practical ways to be able to point those out, first of all. And yeah. second of all, instead of getting stuck, how do we move from those feelings to ones with hope and joy and love and delight? Yeah. Now, what's really fun is we have a personal connection, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, a personal friend from Nashville when we uh, when we lived there, and mm-hmm. I actually met Carly at a baby shower, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe like seven seven years ago, and so finally being able to talk on a podcast together was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Now Neil and Carly are co-founders and co-authors. Their company is called Enjoy Co, and their book we already named it, and we're going to be talking about it here and there. Uh, Neil is the CEO of this company, and Uh, It's an emotional health and wellness company designed to help individuals enjoy positive change. And Carly is a licensed professional counselor in the greater Nashville area. And they run Enjoy Code together. All things joy is, yeah. Y'all are going to love them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's listen in. Well, Neil and Carly, we are so excited for you to join us and our podcast family on today's episode. Welcome. For having us, we are so happy to be here. So pumped! Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, our podcast family just heard the intro to your book, "Start from Joy," which builds on biblical insights and the latest findings in positive psychology. Uh, some of our podcast family may already be wondering at this point how can the Bible and psychology go together? Can therapy and theology go hand in hand? So we'd love for you to answer that question as we get started today. I'll let the licensed therapist take this away. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Neil. Yeah. Well, oh, yes. Therapy and the Bible go hand in hand. As a Christian mental health therapist, I believe it really has to. Because Mm -hmm. if theology is the study of who God is and psychology is the study of human behavior, the human mind, well, God created us in his image. We are image bearers of God. And so as we study more about human behavior, we're actually getting insights that mirror the image of God. And as we study God, we actually get 
little insights on how humans could live life well. So why not marry the two? Why not bring it together? And it says in the, you know, in the word that the Holy Spirit is our counselor. And so as a therapist, I see my role in the therapy room as holding space for the Holy Spirit to meet with someone as he also gives me clinical intuition to guide our conversation, use some tools, um, and help them learn who they are in Christ and what that could look like practically in the world. So I really believe it should go hand in hand. Yeah, I I love that insight because really when you think about all knowledge being God's knowledge, right? I mean, God is the creator of all things. And then we as humans think we know so much that we create different ologies, right? Like Mm -hmm. theology and psychology and, you know, all these different studies of um, I love what Christina's dad often says. He is like this massive library, like just this absolutely crazy. I think like 10,000 books library. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, um, oftentimes when anyone who is highly educated comes into the room and sees his library, their reaction is completely different from someone who isn't as well read. Mm. Because for the highly educated individual, you would think they'd be like, oh, well, I know you know a lot. Oh, I know a lot. And there'd be this pride. But actually, there's this deep humility because they're like, wow, I know so much about this one particular subject. Mm. And I have just realized how much I don't know about everything else. And there's this humility instead of this comparative pride. So so I love how you're like, yeah, psychology isn't better or more than theology or this, but they actually do go hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. So um, I would love to hear more about what positive psychology is, because you think if you're not well versed in it or understand it, you're thinking, well, is that opposite the negative? Like, is there a negative psychology <laughs> to this? So I'd love to hear more about what that is. Yeah, positive psychology really is like the study of human improvement and happiness. And, you know, I will say this about uh, the tension between Bible and positive psychology Positive psychology, if you look at a lot of the research and studies coming out from it, it's all about what you can do to improve your personal happiness. And yes, I believe there are shifts we can make in our life to improve uh, human flourishing. But also, there is this tension with the gospel and the Bible in that we are not the saviors of our own life. And I think that's where Mm -hmm. positive psychology Mm -hmm. falls short. And so in our book, We do marry biblical insights and the latest findings in positive psychology, but uh, we say that we are not the saviors of our own lives. Like, yes, Mm. there are improvements we can make in our life to change circumstances and our happiness, but ultimately, God is the one who saves us, and Mm -hmm. it is not our 100% ability or responsibility to. will ourselves into happiness and complete joy we Mm -hmm. need to be dependent and reliant on god yeah yes very much so and thankfully i'm not my own savior because i have walked that path before and it has ended in destruction so so in case you're trying it out yourself you let me know how it's going (laughs) with that yeah so but um thank you 
God for your grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. So Neil, as you were talking of positive psychology, you were kind of using the words happiness and joy um, interchangeably maybe, or maybe there's a difference, but you purposely chose the word joy in in your title instead of happiness. So what's the difference between joy and happiness, or is there even a difference? Absolutely. So happiness is based on happenstance. That's where we get the word from, and happenstance really is those external circumstances, everything outside of you, everything that you can see, that is what determines your happiness. But joy is more of an internal state of being. In fact, mm-hmm. the definition that we arrived on when writing the book was that joy is the internal gladness inspired by p- purpose, hope, and delight. Really, mm-hmm. it's an internal state. So if you're trying to chase happiness, uh, for a fulfilling life, then what that looks like is a very outside-in approach. You're trying to change everything outside of you to achieve some sort of internal peace. But joy is all about trying to achieve that internal peace, which we know comes from God and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and then living in inside-out life, where that joy flows out of us and sends positive ripple effects into all areas of life. Would you add anything to that? Yes, because if happiness really depends on the happenings of our life and joy is that internal response, then regardless of how anybody else acts, I know that I can show up in confidence Mm. and it's just my... I can't control what anybody else does, but I can control what I do. And with the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit, I can choose to show up in a way that honors God, honors myself, and isn't reliant on anyone else other than uh, other than God. And so I believe that yeah. that could be also a distinguishing factor in joy. It's really mm-hmm. empowered by the Holy Spirit, not placed on anybody else or anyone else changing, which I see a lot of clients and even myself trying to do. If you could just stop doing that, then I'd be okay. Um, But that's not really where we find joy. Absolutely. Now, I will add this to this discussion. Uh, Our book is an emotional health book. And Mm. emotional health we see is tied to our spiritual health. I know we talk a lot about uh, joy only coming from God and the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, but there is a connection between our spiritual life and our emotional life. And really, as we put our hope, our trust, our confidence in God, it starts to rewire things internally to mm-hmm. then where we have to do things with our emotions and learn how to identify and manage our emotions so that that joy actually does overflow inside of us and spill out to the world around us. That's how I see that Uh, connection. Okay. So if I'm hearing you right, it's the whole, like I'm thinking about the verse about abiding, right? We abide. um, uh, He is the vine. We are the branches and we're connected to him. We're abiding and we're growing in in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is one of them is joy. Then it's like, okay, so what do we do with this? Is that Mm -hmm. what you're talking about? That the emotional health and um, part is is how do we let this joy overflow um, through, I don't know how to say it, like almost like a clean filter in some way. Like if it's if the joy's overflowing from a dirty filter, you're going to get dirty 
Dirty joy, dirty water. <laughs> dirty joy. <laughs> not Don't have title, dirty joy. Not the title of your book, Dirty Joy. Yeah, no. Dirty joy. <laughs> no, but I, absolutely. You see, a lot of believers say that my joy comes from the Lord. And that's mm-hmm. absolutely true. But then if you say joy comes from the Lord, but you don't know how to identify your emotions or you don't know how to read your emotions, or you suppress your emotions, right? Then that joy is kind of stunted. There's no way for mm. it to get out into the world around you. That's that's mm. what we're talking about. And it, scripture says, I, I want you, Jesus says, I want you to have the fullness of joy. Right. The fullness of joy. And so instead mm-hmm. of it being so ethereal and it's like, I don't know, I just don't feel joyful right now. Again, it's not based on external feeling, based on your circumstances. The fullness of joy is inside and it's practical. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. All right. So uh let's let's um let's talk about shame, guilt, and fear. Not dirty joy, right? But let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about shame. Not that those things no, are any no. more pleasurable. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about shame, guilt, and fear because those are seemingly three uh scary words, big words, um, that uh, depending on how you grew up, were often used on you, uh, and depending on your culture and 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 where you grew up, and 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 all of that. Oftentimes, these these things, right, can be used as weapons for change or mm. or motivators for change. Uh, and sometimes, uh, the, you know, for better or worse, and and people say, "Hey, but but I am the person I am today mm-hmm. because of this." I've had to go to a lot of counseling, but I am the person, to, right? And there's this sense, right, where um, you can get to a point where shame, guilt, and fear become your default, and you're like, "I don't like it," but they kind of work to bring about change in our life, in our, in our lives. So in your book, you talk a lot about the negative side effects of using that. Um, so I'd love for you to just unpack that and talk about what happens when we use these three things to try to bring about change. Yes. Well, let me answer your question by taking it a step back. Okay. And answering why is positive change even important? And mm. I believe God wants us to have positive change. He wants us to improve our lives because we are image bearers of God trying to bring about heaven on earth. And Mm. if that is true, then we need to be all about positive change. So I wanted to just quickly state that up front. The problem with positive change is when people use shame, guilt, and fear as motivators for change. So shame is saying, Mm. I'm not enough, so I need to measure up. Like, Mm. I'm bad unless I do this. Guilt Mm. is I've done wrong. I need to make up for it. Fear is I fear like what might happen if I don't achieve this change. So that's oftentimes the starting point for people's positive change journeys. They're starting from Mm. this place of not enough. I've done wrong. I don't know what's going to happen. But then what happens is that those emotions, they oftentimes compound because Mm. we haven't really addressed that underlying shame, guilt, and fear. Instead, Mm. we're just trying to produce change to outrun it. And because we're not addressing that shame, guilt, and fear, 
it silently grows and compounds inside of us to eventually it sabotages us. And just a quick kind of scientific example of how it sabotages us. You know, our brains are hardwired to escape pain. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, shame, guilt, and fear are very painful emotions. So the more we entertain shame, guilt, and fear, the more we use them as weapons for change, the more we're juice we're giving our brain to say, hey, feel this pain. And then our brain is unconsciously saying, okay, I need to find some relief from this pain because it's too much. I'm going to do a Netflix binge. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to overwork because this anxiety of not having enough money just feels so painful. Mm. I am going to uh, yell at my spouse because I feel this the shame of this unwanted identity of being Mm. a bad husband, being a bad wife. And so I'm going to do that to feel better. And this is how shame, guilt, and fear actually sabotages the change we want. You know, if we as Christians are image bearers of God designed to bring about positive change in the world, then these motivators of shame, guilt, and fear, they get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm. So then are you saying then that shame, guilt, and fear, uh, they can bring about change, but they're always chasing after you? And and at, at some point they can overtake and they can sabotage the change that you might have experienced. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. in our book, you know, the subtitle of our book, it says lasting change for a reason. Because you can mm. achieve change with shame, guilt, and fear. It might be a short-lived change. Mm. But if you want to produce true lasting change, then the best motivator is joy. Because here's the thing. You stick to the things you enjoy. It's just scientifically proven. That's the way God designed it. We stick to the behaviors, uh, the beliefs of the things we enjoy. And so Mm. if we start from joy, we end up with lasting results because joy is always in the journey. Oh, I love that. Can you give us a really practical example of this? Because I'm thinking, you know, um, a lot of us maybe started a a Bible reading plan come January because we want to read the Bible in 365 days. And when we don't feel like it, we guilt ourselves or we shame ourselves like, no, you have to spend time with God or you are less of a Christian or you're not going to be, you're going to fall behind, you're going to be a failure, all of this. And we use those motivations to spend time with God. What would it look like? to start from joy, even in our own practical like devotions? Yeah. What it might look like is if you could notice, if you're beating yourself up and bullying yourself to shame yourself, just ask why. Mm-hmm. If, I'm not, if I'm not reading the Bible with this plan, the way I think it should go, what does that say? Do, you, do I think I'm going to earn God's love and make myself enough in his eyes? That would be motivated by shame. I'm not enough, so I need to stick to the plan so I stay enough. Do I feel guilt because I haven't done it and I am just overwhelmed by all of the things I haven't done and I'm trying to measure up? That would be motivated by guilt. Or am, if I'm not doing it, Am I motivated by fear 
that if I don't do this, I'm actually a bad Christian or I, I fear God won't love me. I fear I won't grow. What would it, so here's what a practical way to just start from joy with just this example. So I would ask myself, well, what's the bigger hope, purpose, hope and purpose designed? Why am I doing this in the first place? Well, my hope is I want to grow so that I can defeat the lies that try to tell me I'm not enough by knowing God's word. So my hope is that, and maybe that's your purpose too. And the hope is that I can do that effectively so that I can show up and the word of the Lord can inform how I show up in my relationships and in the world and that I can change and be changed by meeting with God consistently, even if I don't feel it in the moment, even if it feels like I'm not you know, wasting time. I know that God promises that he's going to meet with me and that he does the heart change. So I know that if I show up, even if I don't do enough in the moment, mm. doesn't matter because God's the one that does the work anyway. So if I can show up with that hope and that purpose, and hey, can I like enjoy it? Can I get a cup of coffee? Can I get my favorite blanket? Can I, maybe I didn't have time to do it in the morning. As a busy mom, I just sometimes don't. Can I enjoy a few moments before bed where I even, maybe it's, I don't do the reading plan that I set out to do. But if I can trust that I'm enough just as I am and that God already loves me and this will be for my good, then maybe I don't read my Bible plan tonight, but I go and look out at the stars and remind myself, I am small, but God is big and there's something Mm. bigger going on here. Hope, purpose, delight. We want to look at the motivations and then move towards that joy, that's where God works. Because nothing's going to, you're not going to achieve anything by beating yourself up for not reading your Bible the way you wanted. God might just show up and speak to your heart in a different way as long as you try to meet with him. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Yeah, and I will add this to this. We are children of the most perfect parent out there. Like, we are children of a perfect God. So, starting from shame, guilt, and fear, we do not have to earn his love. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to earn anything from a perfect parent. You know, and so just adding on to what Carly said, you know, what is that motivation and why does that shame, guilt and fear exist? Like, why do you feel like you have to earn God's love? And oftentimes that is because there's something from your past, some script that you've picked up in your life that uh, translate to your relationship with God. And oftentimes that is family of origin, your upbringing, like. You've mm-hmm. learned a story about God that's not true. Mm-hmm. 
And so you also have to dig into, like once you uncover that motivation, you have to dig into, okay, where's the shame, guilt, and fear coming from? Like what's the actual origin? Because you know what that does? That gives us power and agency to then overcome that and replace that with joy. Yeah, yeah, completely. And, and you know, going back to our first question about therapy and theology going hand in hand, I mean, it's a little bit of a full circle here because what this question is really addressing is, you know, who is God mm-hmm. and what is your image of God mm-hmm. and how do you understand? So do you have a right understanding of who God is? But then that's where the therapy also kicks in because, you know, there's stuff that there's junk and there's stuff that we just all have to deal with. I mean, yes, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we live in a fallen world. And that's where it's not an either or, it's, but there is definitely this hand in handness that goes together. So um, it, it seems like uh, at the end of this question, we're kind of beating up fear, guilt, and shame. And it kind of seems like it's it's all negative. Yeah, like go um, stand in the corner. Yeah, you yeah. don't belong here. <laughs> like just kick it all out. But but are all feelings of fear, guilt, and shame bad? Like are they are they all negative or is there some healthy parts to it? Mm-hmm. I'll take this one, Neil. Yep. <clears throat> So Francesca Battistelli has a song about like breaking up with fear and not letting fear in. And I actually really love that song. I like that one too. But when I hear it, I kind of get sad for fear because I'm like, wait, fear is not always bad, only when it bullies you. (laughs) So I look at the gifts of what these emotions can move us into. So I believe that the gift of fear is actually saying, what am I actually afraid of? And taking wise action because fear helps us notice how to prepare. Mm. It also can lead us into trust. If I fear I don't have enough, then I can take wise action to do what God has equipped me to do to make sure I have enough to keep my family safe. Wisdom. But wisdom. But when I've done all that I can do, that's when I get to trust that the God of the universe is also the God of my life. He holds me. So fear is not terrible. In fact, if you're flying on an airplane, you kind of want your pilot to have a little bit of fear. So he checks the plane (laughs) and like puts his eyes out, you know? Um, So fear, we're running out into the middle of the road. Like you, fear can protect us, but we don't want to let it bully us or move us into constant anxiety. So fear can move us into courage and wisdom and faith if we allow it to. Now, Mm. just quickly, the gift of shame is humility, saying, okay, this shame feeling is saying I'm not enough, but I don't have to be enough because Jesus is. So it moves Uh, us into dependence to to God. So Mm. when you feel not enough, You don't have to make it plunge you into toxic shame or blame Mm -hmm. or pride or defensiveness saying, I am enough and here's why. You can say, you know what? I'm not enough and that's okay. I'm just learning. Wow. And that's similar for guilt as well with Mm -hmm. if I've done something wrong. If I've actually hurt you, Christine, I've hurt your feelings. I didn't show up for you the way I needed to as a friend. Mm-hmm. And you come to me and you say, hey, this really hurt my feelings. I'd like this to change. Then I right. can say, wow, the gift of guilt 
is acknowledging I've done something that has actually hurt you. And we get to move together closer into forgiveness. If I totally Mm. deny guilt, totally deny wrongdoing, then we don't get reconciliation. So these feelings are not bad. They're neutral if they are able to move us into the gifts, really the gifts of the spirit, patience and love. And (laughs) Here's how I I see it. We talked about this in our book. But the toxic side of these emotions lead back to ourselves. You know, Mm. the toxic side of fear, anxiety says that we are in control of everything. Shame that we're not enough leads back to ourselves. Same with guilt. But the healthy side of fear, guilt, and shame lead back to God. Because it acknowledges that at the end of the day, we are not in control of everything that it's okay if we're not enough because we have a perfect God. It points back mm. to God. Yeah. yeah, I love that. It just sounds like one big journey of like getting hit by like fear, guilt, and shame, and then also understanding and being self-aware of, okay, where am I feeling this and why? Talking about the narratives and the scripts, and then learning to continue to walk and be like, okay, instead of it pointing to myself, how can I walk toward Jesus, right? How can I walk toward the, the perfect parent, as you were saying, Neil? So in, with that in mind, um, how do we start from joy in the midst of suffering? Because I feel like suffering, a lot of times, uh, talking about stopping, that like, so, especially if it's unexpected, right? Maybe a, a death of a family member, you lost your job, your, your kids are uh, no longer want to talk to you. Sometimes that just feels like it hits you. And you're like, I'm so dazed. I don't know how to keep walking toward God. Yeah. Like I think of Job, for example. You know, he's known for his... Um, immense suffering and then he talked to his friends and his friends i'm sorry but they were not great in terms of being able to give him really helpful advice so how would you even encourage people who are going through suffering or even job to start from joy without it sounding like you're dismissing their their feelings so this is the big misconception about joy and actually i see this as the difference between kind of the way the world talks about joy and the Mm -hmm. way that Christianity talks about joy. The way the world talks about joy is that you're dancing on tables. Everything is fun. (laughs) You're frolicking through fields of flowers. It's like a Disney movie, right? That is the world's conception of joy. But then you look at the Bible and you see how the Bible talks about joy and you see Paul in a prison talking about how he has joy. And you're like, what is that kind of joy? This is the yeah, difference. Right. Uh, this is the misconception with joy. People think that joy is actually a dismissal of pain, but that's mm. because they have the wrong conception of what joy is. It probably they probably have that Disney definition of joy, right? Right. But joy is actually not the dismissal of pain. What we see in the Bible is that it's the embracing of pain. It is that leaning into that hope and purpose side of joy. You see, you can't have the light of hope if you're not fully steeped in the darkness, right? You can't fully latch on to that light. And that's what we're talking about in the Bible's definition of joy. Joy is anchored in hope, purpose, and delight. Yes, we have that exuberant, dance on tables, frolic through fields, expression of joy. 
-hmm. But we also know how to have joy in the midst of suffering. That's how Paul was able to leverage joy while he was stuck in a prison. Right. May I offer one practical example of what this truly looks like in suffering cases? Yeah, Yeah, please. I have a client that I've been working through child loss with. She Mm -hmm. lost her babies in stillbirth. And Job lost his children, his wife. Loss is awful. And if you just go and say, well, we know that the joy of the Lord is here. Nobody grieving wants to hear that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But here's what finding true joy could look like in this situation. We sit, we hold space. We say that baby's name. We honor that baby. We honor her pain and her loss, the loss of a dream. And Mm -hmm. as she grieves actively, what she did was she latched on to hope and purpose and small pieces of delight in just everyday normal life. So Mm -hmm. she took the baby blankets that she had made for her baby and she unraveled it and started making smaller, tinier blankets. And it happened just, just crazily happened to be a gr- like gray blankets with little threads of yellow and little threads of gold. And she made these blankets to give and donate to other moms in NICUs and moms who had lost, giving her baby's blanket to them. Ooh, I'm getting emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> right? Because yeah. she knew that she's going to see her baby again. Hope. She mm. knew that in giving these moms purpose, knowing that they're not alone, that she was going, mm. like she was using her story, giving her pain a narrative. And she had a peppermint mocha while she was doing that. Crying, <laughs> drinking this little coffee drink, you yeah. know. Um, giving these, wrapping it up, writing these handwritten notes. And at the end of it, she, she looked and, and she told me about this story and while we were in our session and she started crying, but it wasn't just tears of grief. It was also intermingled with tears of like, this is meaningful. It, my pain matters. My story matters. These moms matter. And so that could be an example of what it looks like to grieve with hope in the midst right. of suffering. I think of the Pixar movie, uh, the Inside Out with sadness mm-hmm. and joy holding one memory. Uh, mm-hmm. And it can, they coexist. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. I think, um, I think we can all resonate with with that example in mm-hmm. in different ways as we continue to uh the older you get the more death um and experiences of death and, and loss, and, and loss mm-hmm. is just it's just so up in your face right so um yeah i i love i love how you connected joy with purpose with meaning with the light uh, you've just really made that connection so strong so so as we come to the end of our podcast we want to um just equip our podcast family with some practical tools 
to to understand how they can do what you're talking about in your book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, podcast family pick up a copy of their book, and they have a, a workbook as well that'll help you work through the concepts too. Um, but we'd love for you guys just to uh, give our podcast family a, a glimpse or a sense uh, as to how we can start from joy. So why don't we start with parenting? Uh, and then we'll we'll hit marriage and, and body image. Uh, but yeah, why don't you start from parenting? For all the parents listening in, uh, what's one way that they can start from joy today, <laughs> right? Or this week? Absolutely. So if you feel like you're not enough as a parent, if you feel like you're uh, just the bad mom or mm. the bad dad, <laughs> Then ask yourself, where does that shame come from? That's step one. Where, oh, where is that emotion coming from? How has this been part of your story? Mm-hmm. And then don't fight it. Don't try to push down those feelings of shame, guilt, and fear. Rather, accept that they're there. Get curious yeah. about where they've come from. And then start to challenge uh, the beliefs that cause that shame, guilt, and fear. Am I actually not enough as a parent? Like, Mm. am I just like my parents before me who've messed up? Yeah. And Mm. can I offer forgiveness and grace towards my family or towards my parents who weren't perfect? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of trying to run away from being like someone else you don't want to be, which might be shame, guilt, and fear, sit down and write, who do you want to be as a parent? I want to be as a a parent who is who is grounded in peace and offers wise advice and gives Mm. love freely. Run towards that rather than running away from something else. Grounding in hope, purpose, and little moments of delight, like having a mother-daughter date and just enjoying yourself or just taking a moment to see your kid playing and smile could be that tiny bit of delight. But I would say that could be one practical way to start from joy in parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Just thinking, I think a lot of times we do something or say something to our kids and we're like, oh, that's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But we never take the time. I understand parenting is busy, but if taking like the long view of um, w- instead of beating myself up for, no, this is not the parent I want to be, taking the time to ask yourself, okay, then instead, what is the kind of parent I would love to be? Yeah. Right. So um, how would we uh, be able to start from joy in marriage? Would it be kind of the same? Do you have something, uh, maybe a different tip we could use? Yeah. So if you find yourself just blowing up at your spouse, unable to connect with your spouse, or even shutting down when your spouse brings uh, a problem or issue with you, these Mm -hmm. are disrupting your intimacy, your closeness with your spouse. And that's not how God designed it. So one practical step is to take a step back, pause. Mm -hmm. Instead of blowing up, instead of shutting down, pause and ask, okay, what is the emotion that I'm running away from? Mm -hmm. Is it that shame, guilt, and fear? And again, where is that shame, guilt, and fear coming from? So a practical example here, shame is often caused by an undesired identity. You're trying to not become something you don't want to be, right? Right. And so that undesired identity, if you feel shame, you can pause and ask, 
okay, what's this undesired identity? Well, I don't want to be like my parents who got a divorce. And so Mm. that's leading me to have shame, which then Mm. is causing this eruption of anger and just uh, blowing up of my spouse. Right. That clarity piece is huge. So how do you take a step back? Well, therapy can help. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very true. Highly recommended. Again, ask yourself, can I just, in a maybe not right after the fight, but during the day on a normal mundane thing, can I reach over and grab my spouse's hand and look at them and just say, hey, it really, it really stood out to me the other day when you did this for me. Thanks. That made me feel really loved. That's one way to start from joy. Yeah, Yeah, that delight piece. Yeah, I love that. And even we can train our brains to look for the positive, even in our spouses, of the the things that they do versus the things that they don't do. Um, I would love, as we end, that uh, we talk about body image. You talk about body image a lot in your book, and I really, really appreciate that, especially as we're thinking, you know, talking about New Year's resolutions of, I want to be this weight by this certain time, and uh, we beat ourselves up for or feel guilty for eating that cookie that we we shouldn't. I'm using your, I'm using quotes here. We shouldn't be um eating so i uh, would love to hear how do we start from joy even with own within our own bodies mm-hmm. how can you start from joy at the weight and body size you are right now what mm-hmm. does it if we're looking at um what is our role in the kingdom of god can we love our neighbor can we love our kids can we go and enjoy our lives at the body size we're at right now yeah, you can. Mm. You've got more important things to do, sister. Please. Mm. <laughs> um, if I if One practical way I do this is I practice nurturing self-care towards my body with healthy, joyful movement or exercise that's not punishing, but mm. gets me out moving. Healthy foods that also incorporate fun foods that I truly enjoy. And I get to thank God for the goodness of what he is able to provide for my body. And so I don't neglect self-care. I don't neglect exercise. I do not neglect nutrition, but I don't let it hold me back either. And so I'll Mm. say, okay, Lord, thank you for legs that allow me to walk and experience the world. Thank you for hands that allow me to hug and to shake hands and to serve others. And thank you for a belly that allows me to enjoy that cookie, um, (laughs) grow a child. um, And just thank you for my whole body that allows me to experience this world. There is more to life than navel gazing, just focusing Mm. on myself and literally my belly size. Why don't I look up and see what you have for me today, regardless of my body size? Wow. Wow. We got to end there. That's, yeah. that, that's like a mic drop right? moment. Exactly. Everyone hit the rewind button. Or, you know, I guess that doesn't so, exist anywhere, right? It's yeah, the 30 back. second. Yeah, 30 second. Hit it a couple times. Listen to that again. Yeah, I know I repeat. will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Neil and Carly, thank you for being with us on our podcast. And thank you for writing your book, Start mm-hmm. From Joy, Trade Shame, Guilt, and Fear for Lasting Change, A Lighter Spirit, and a More Fulfilling Life. Um, if people want to connect with you, uh, learn more about your company, Enjoy Co., pick up a copy of your book, where is the best place for them to do that? Yes, head to enjoycowellness.com. There we have 
all of our podcast episodes. We have a podcast called Start From Joy as well. Awesome. We have our book you can find there and get some awesome bonuses if you buy it and submit your receipt there. We have some free downloads. We even offer therapy if you live in the state of Tennessee. That's where to find us. Enjoycowellness.com. Right on. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. I love that we ended with body image Mm. because how many times do we try to beat ourselves into submission? And usually submission means a certain weight, a certain waist size, uh, a certain style of dieting. And uh, I know for me, that didn't work. But then what does? If that doesn't work, what is the opposite of that? And I love how Carly touched on um, just even enjoying and being thankful for our bodies, even delighting in our bodies. How amazing that would be to be able to teach our children that as well. Yeah. Now, as you listen to this episode, if you felt like there are these not little things, but big things of shame, guilt, and fear uh, that that has been used on you and that you've possibly used on your children or on yourself to try to bring about change, we do want to recommend that you pick up a copy of their book, Start From Joy, Trade Shame, Guilt, and Fear for Lasting Change, A Lighter Spirit, and a More Fulfilling Life. Their book and their workbook, we know, are going to be great resources for you in this journey of uh, you know, of holding both theology and therapy hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, we would be honored if there's someone else that came to mind as you listen to this episode, someone that perhaps you want to process this episode together with. Perhaps it's your spouse or maybe it's one of your friends or a group, a small group that you're a part of. We would be honored if you would hit the share button on this podcast episode, share it with them, or you can just text them the link inbetween.org slash episode 167. And on that, uh, you're going to get this episode and also the show notes and everything else that we talked about and links to the the book and their website and all that. So that's inbetween.org slash episode 167. All right, podcast family, it's been a joy to be with you. You like how I did that? No. And how many times have we said that on on this episode? Yeah, we are honored that you have uh, joined us on this episode and we'll catch you next time.